This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Wendy Ying from Sarasota, Florida. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 7th, 2020. This episode is brought to you by the American Driving Society. Good morning, horse world. It's good to talk to you again, Wendy. I hope you and Kyle are being safe, all cozy in your house down there in Sarasota, Florida. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're having fun. You know, you're not having this uh, quarantine too bad. One, you're loving staying home right now in your life. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, if this had happened six years ago, you'd be going nuts. But you yeah. also have the best cook in the world <laughs> to stay home with. I know, and he loves He keeps cooking. posting pictures of all this gourmet food he's making. Oh, he's so good. I mean, you got lucky with this one. I know, and we also, you know what he got me for Christmas? What's that? A brand new ping pong table that we have. Oh, so you've been playing playing ping pong? Yeah, we have, and you know what? Remember, he's the tennis pro. So he's also Yeah, but you're Asian. Doesn't it come naturally? That's what I thought. You know, the first time, (laughs) like one of our very first dates, we were at this bar with the ping pong table, and I was ready to just slaughter him like I usually do, and he kicked my butt. I couldn't believe it. You know, but tennis players, like tennis you know, us t- tennis players, seem to be good at anything with a racket. I know. He's so you know. good. So I, I won one game so far of all of our tournaments, and we're up to like, he's up to like 300 to one or something. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Didn't we go play pickleball? Yes, we played and that I did, that I had a tough time with pickleball. That's hard because you're playing with a game. wiffle ball. Yeah, it's so it's so More different. like badminton. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love badminton too. I do too. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad to see you're doing okay, you guys. And I hatched all those baby geese. I know. So now you have a whole bunch of geese that are going to drive you insane in the future yeah, years. Yeah, super fun. So I have to teach them how to swim in the pool. It's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> geese mama. Well, we have a big yeah. show coming up. What's coming up? Well, it's National Carriage Driving Month, so we're celebrating carriage driving, collecting, and even some political history. Kathleen Hake's special guest is Judge E.G. Moody, a longtime CAA board member who made uh, National Carriage Month official. And then my dear friend Mike Zietta of Antique Carriages shares a glimpse into the golden age of carriages. Plus, Katie Cadwell shares her Tremont training tip. And on the TCVM segment, we're going to talk about your horse's constitution and how it can influence sports injuries. So listen in. Well, we always start with a featured product of the month from DrWendaYing.com. What do you have for us this month? Well, since we're talking about sports injuries, I'm talking about one of the formulas that I use a lot. It's uh, called Chi Performance. So chi is like, you know, your energy, your life energy. And this formula was developed by Dr. Shea specifically for performance horses. It's a great formula that, uh, you know, we talk about yin and yang, right? So we talk about the balance of yin and yang. This is a nice balance formula, but it has herbs in it that um, tonify your chi, like uh, ginseng, and then 
it has herbs that tonify your blood, like it builds more blood. And we know that athletes need blood uh, to have a high oxygen carrying capacity. That feeds your muscles. Um, and then it has some other herbs in it that we're going to talk about later in the sports medicine in the sports injury section. But, uh, this formula I use a lot with, um, like horses getting back to work because it gives them more energy and it also has some anti-inflammatory components to it because, you know, like think about it, right? If everybody's going to start back to the gym when we finally get let out, you're going to have all these aches and pains when you start back at the gym and start back working out. So you want to make sure you keep your uh, aches and pains to a minimum so you want to continue to work out, right? If horses if horses are sore, they're not going to want to continue to do their work. So not just with us, with the lockdown, we also have like people have been uh, in Florida. We have nice weather all year round, so we don't really have this. But if you're up in the north – you've been locked up in your barn. You haven't been able to have a lot of days out. So this is a time when we ha do see a lot of sports injuries and cheap performance can be a good formula to use short term to help with minor aches and pains and some attitude adjustments. Very good. And you can find that at drwendaying.com and that's spelled QI performance. QI. That's cheap. Well, it's National Carriage Driving Month, so we're celebrating carriage driving, collecting, and even some political history. Kathleen Hake is here for her Carriages 101 segment, and her she has a special guest, Judge E.G. Moody, who's a longtime CAA board member who made National Carriage Driving Month official. So welcome, Kathleen and E.G. It's so great to have you guys here with us. Thank you, Thank Wendy. You. We appreciate it. Well, Kathleen, do uh, you want to start us off by reading our proclamation for National Carriage Driving Month? I will. We have this um, hanging on our wall in the Carriage Association of America headquarters, which is on the grounds of the Kentucky Horse Park. So if you have the chance to stop by, it's there for you to see. And it starts with National Carriage Driving Month. Whereas the Carriage Association of America has for almost 50 years fostered and organized efforts to preserve and recognize the significant contribution of animal-drawn vehicles have made to the American culture. Whereas animal-drawn vehicles help settle and build the United States of America. Whereas it is now almost 100 years since the rapid change from animal-drawn vehicles to machine-powered vehicles. Whereas museums across America have preserved and protected examples of carriages, wagons, and other types of mostly horse-drawn vehicles, which helped Americans build, farm, and socialize in the early days of this nation's existence. Whereas tens of thousands of Americans enjoy collecting, preserving, driving, and restoring horse-drawn vehicles. Whereas there are hundreds of annual parades shows, auctions, and similar events to enjoy, recognize, and preserve this important part of our nation's heritage. Whereas the World Equestrian Games have been awarded to the United States and will be held in 2010 at the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington, Kentucky. And whereas the month of May is celebrated by the carriage riding community as Carriage Riding Month, now therefore be it resolved that the House of Representatives expresses support 
for National Carriage Driving Month, along with its goals and ideals, and encourages supporters, historic organizations, and educational entities to serve this month and collaborate on efforts to further protect, preserve, and appreciate carriages as part of our nation's history. House Resolution 1128, July 22nd, 2008. It's quite Yay. the document. Yes. You know what? That's so exciting. I mean, like, finally, some political news that I want to hear about. <laughs> <laughs> so, E.G., how, uh, how did you go about even thinking about doing this, and, and how did this all get started? Okay, let me give you a little bit of background, and um, I'll kind of summarize what happened, because it, it's a little bit involved. The executive committee of the Carriage Association kind of kicked this idea around in 2007. And finally, uh, we decided uh, uh, to, to proceed with it, and the board of directors approved um, the idea. Although the uh, resolution sounds like it was drafted by a lawyer, it was drafted by Ken Wheeling, who's a teacher, as you all know, mm-hmm. uh, with a little bit of input from other people, but primarily was the work of Ken. We had a member at that time who is now deceased, Cy Gertie, who is from who was from Ohio, and who was confident that he could get this resolution passed because of the relationship he had with his local congressman. And he worked on it for several months, and for some reason, and I'm not exactly sure why, the congressman decided that he could not accomplish it. So uh, we were trying to decide what would be our next approach, and I volunteered to attempt attempted, although I'd never done that before, because I knew a, uh, a con- the new congressman from my district who had just been elected because he and I had served on a nonprofit board, which was the Crumley House Brain Injury Rehabilitation Center. Mm-hmm. So I thought that possibly he could be helpful. And also his uh, legislative director who had been with the previous congressman was the son of one of my former legal secretaries. So I had two inroads. So I contacted um, both. And after considering it, uh, Congressman David Davis, he agreed to sponsor a resolution. And, of course, I didn't know what was involved, but they informed me early on that in order for it to be successful, we would, he is, uh, Mr. Da- Congressman Davis was a Republican. And uh, he informed me in order for it to be successful and for it to go through the uh, different avenues it had to go through, it needed also a Democrat co-sponsor. Mm-hmm. So that was in um, February of 2008. And shortly after that, uh, we were having trouble getting uh, a Democrat co-sponsor. So I contacted the Carriage Association's executive committee and asked for their help because several of those people had some contacts with their local congressman. So, and that was in uh, latter February. And then in April, at that point in time, 
we had gotten several sponsors, and it was referred to the point that it was the bill was uh, uh, introduced, and it was referred, uh, excuse me, as House Resolution 1128, and it was referred to the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. And uh, I was told at that time that the committee would want a certain number of co-sponsors before they would move the bill. And that turned out to be 50. So we continued to try to get uh, the uh, 50 co-sponsors. And then in June, we had gotten up to 42. And then finally, in uh, July, we got uh, we reached the 50 mark. So that is 50 50 House uh, members, 50 congressmen. Yes, correct. Oh wow, that's a lot. That's what the um, that's what the committee uh, required in order to to move the bill. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, I guess that indicated to them that there would not be uh, any significant um, uh, uh, opposition to it. Okay. And so we finally got those in July. And, of course, it was uh, that was an early part of July. And it was passed in the, uh, on July the 22nd. Now, that was not the end of the story. After that... In the meantime, there had been another congressional election, and my friend had gotten beaten, beat in the election. And so I asked, and he had gotten beat in 2006, mm-hmm. and the legislative director that I knew was still there, but we had a new congressman, and of course he had was opposed by my friend, Congressman Davis, who lost. And so I asked for a an official copy of the resolution, which um, I'm sure that they provide because I've seen numerous ones from legislature in the state on the state level, and and it has all the uh, bells and whistles, uh, uh, has the uh, uh, ribbons and so on and so forth on it. Well, I could never uh, never accomplish that. And I really think it was probably because the current congressman at that time knew that his opposition was the one that got the resolution passed for us. Oh, I see. So so in order to get an official-looking document, then uh, I had to resort to some other methods. So uh, I went online and located a calligrapher. Uh, which who is Gail's calligraphy, and she's the one that wrote the resolution. I mean, that actually um, printed the resolution that we have framed. And uh, I also went on the internet and found some official seals mm-hmm. of Congress, and uh, they were incorporated into into that uh, uh, framing. Uh, it's uh, a little more involved than most people probably uh, know, and a little more involved than what I anticipated. But the end result was good. Yeah, and what what was your um, when you when you started doing it? What did you imagine would happen uh, with National Carriage Driving Month? Like, did you think people all across the country would have different events or get-togethers? Well, what uh, Yes, what we hoped to do was to uh, encourage all of our um, uh, 
sister organizations uh, mm-hmm. to use that um, as a method to advertise carriage driving. And, and of course, May isn't, we picked May as an appropriate month because the weather uh, right. normally is in, is uh, good for carriage driving. And so we hope to use it uh, as a promotional thing for the Carriage Association and also to encourage our chapters, our local chapters, t- to um, get involved with the Carriage Association. You know, I really like how in the resolution, it's not just about the carriage driving, but it's also the collecting and how it's affected, um, like how it helped grow the country. Because now in this day and age, sometimes we forget about that. And, you know, we're carriage drivers, so we kind of, we like history. But I think the average person, maybe they don't think about that all the time, that without horses and carriages, the West would have never even been open. I agree completely, and uh, uh, of course, our local area where I'm here was the original Stagecoach Road because it came down through Virginia, came through Tennessee, and then went west and also up through Kentucky. Uh, So uh, this area is very historic, and then, of course, the um, uh, over-mountain men uh, mustered in this general area and, and went to the Battle of Kings Mountain. So it's really important, and I th- think especially not just carriages, but all horse-driven vehicles such as stagecoaches and also uh, all the other um, ways in which a horse contributed to the development of this entire country. One of the things that we're doing this year for Carriage Month is on our Facebook page, we're doing a project called From Sea to Shining Sea. And that includes looking at each individual state and focusing on something that happened there, either a carriage maker, a wheel maker, a particular carriage, or some significant event, and focusing on that for um, our Facebook page for a day. And well, you know, there's more states than there are months, but so we've had to put some of them together. But that's our idea to show how their um, everything works together because it's not just driving or making a carriage. You know, we we bring in um, on Friday in our Friday night webinar last week. We talked about how um, carriage makers were impacted by unions and how that tied over to how car manufacturers treated employees. We talked about how the lumber came in and how those people were employed and the the people that made the seats and um, the hardware and all those other things that go into carriages. And that's really something that sometimes we forget about today. Oh, yeah, I would say we do. We, you know, you don't think of all how it's all interconnected. You know, but that was the industry. That was like the auto industry back then and travel. So it was like the auto industry and like the airline industry and all the travel. So it's really exciting. It's an exciting time to think about. And it's it's exciting to see how far we've come. Now, EG, how did you uh, how did you get into carriage driving? Did you grow up carriage driving? No, not at all, but uh, my grandfather worked horses, Mm -hmm. so I became on the farm, and so I became familiar with horses from that perspective, and my father would use my grandfather's horses to to use on our small farm, 
And then, uh, so I was always interested in horses, and after he worked the horses all day, we would ride them home. And, of course, he would tell us not to to uh, race them, but <laughs> my brother and I, uh, as soon as we got out of sight of home, we, we would. And the horses are ready to run, even though they worked all day because they knew they were going home to feed. But after that... Um, then later, uh, I was in a, an accident when I was in college and had a severely injured leg and ended up with a, a artificial knee, which I've had for about 30 years now. And uh, it was difficult. I really wanted to do trail riding. It was one of the major mm-hmm. things I wanted to do, but I was unable to do it because of my difficulties with my leg. And so that's why I took up carriage driving. And I just uh, located uh, the Carriage Association, then one thing led to another, and uh, (laughs) carriage driving was ideal, and I started out driving a single, Mm -hmm. and then um, uh, as a result of driving a single, that you didn't have hardly enough power to get up some of the hills that we have in this area, Uh and you couldn't, especially if you had any if you had a four-person carriage, and so I went to a pair, and I've driven a pair since, uh, and because you can take other people with you, and of course you can also, it's a lot easier to go up and down the hills with a pair. What kind of horses, um, what kind of horses did you drive? Well, the first uh, horse I had, and I'd included this in my CV, I'd bought a young horse at a um, at a riding stable, uh, the horse was just weaned, and I paid fifty dollars for her. <laughs> and uh, and I gave her to my dad because I didn't have a place to keep her at the time. Mm-hmm. Although I was really interested in the horse, and she was kind of a mixed breed yeah. of horse, and so I drove her single and drove her to several of the carriage conferences, and even some in Lexington. Oh, great! And then later, uh, I got into Morgan's. Mm-hmm. And uh, I even crossbred Morgans and Frisians. Oh, nice. And, uh, hoped to get uh, a nice pair of black Morgan Frisian crosses. Mm-hmm. Turned out I got uh, two, uh, two uh, chestnuts and oh. one black. <laughs> and although the mare and the, the stallion, neither one had a white hair on them, uh, one of the chestnuts had a, had a strip. And mm-hmm. uh, then the, uh, uh, the one black I got had a white sock <laughs> and so uh, so anyway I ended up um, uh, that didn't didn't turn out exactly the way I wanted it to so I bought a pair of Geldens uh, at uh, one of the Amish sales up in Ohio who were the leaders in a foreign hand and oh, so nice. I've driven I've driven that pair for uh, uh, for several years now Oh, that sounds fun. They sound fast. You got the leader pair instead of the wheeler pair, huh? Yes. <laughs> yes, they they uh, uh and Morgans have a lot of go, of course. Yeah. And uh and these are as, as soon as you're ready, they're ready. And they'll go until actually until it, it uh, could harm themselves yeah. if you don't uh, look after them. Now, you talked about the Crumley House Brain Injury Rehabilitation Center earlier. Um, Tell us a little bit about your involvement with that and some of the interesting things you do concerning carriages. Okay, I've I've never really had any uh, uh, desire to show 
horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've done uh, um, a lot of different things with horses, some exhibitions, some parades, and so on and so forth. When I was on the Crumley House board, the uh, the daughter of the mother who started Crumley House had a severe brain injury in a car accident. And prior to that, she had won the state pony championship, riding championship. Oh, wow. And so Crumley House was started uh, by people in the horse industry that knew her and knew her story. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, uh, the horse people promoted Crumley House. As a result of that, uh, eventually, uh, we did rodeos and different things, but eventually uh, we decided to do an all-breed, all-discipline show to as a fundraiser for Crumley House. And so um, I was uh, nominated and so, uh, elected to to chair that, we called it Equifest, and mm-hmm. I chaired it for for seven years. And we did all disciplines. We did things like uh, fox hunting demonstrations, polo demonstrations, dressage demonstrations, uh, carriage, all kinds of carriage driving, uh, single pairs, foreign hands, mm-hmm. uh, stage coaches. Uh, just uh, we even used uh, uh, one of the um, one of the uh, exhibitors at Dollywood who um, did Roman riding and jumped through fire hoops. Uh, <laughs> so, we, and we did uh, demonstrated fox hunting where they mm-hmm. laid a uh, trail out from the arena and uh, the hounds and the, and the uh, participants all came uh, about a mile, uh, followed the trail into oh, the yeah. arena uh, and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, so after I did that for seven years, and I decided that somebody else needed to take over. And so that was about the time I was elected as judge. And so once I started as judge, I decided to um, do an event on my farm for adopted and foster kids, which oh, I started doing and have done for. 13 years now, and it's all um, uh, uh, organized around horses. Mm -hmm. We do pony rides and horse rides and carriage rides and uh, uh, wagon rides. We even do uh, um, a lot of uh, demonstrations with work horses and so on. We do chuck wagon cooking. I've um, built a chuck wagon for that. Oh, wow. And we've had, for several years, we've had... um, actual jousting um, that's fun. and it's it's real real live <laughs> jousting and that's where they actually take the full body hits mm-hmm. but of course the lances the um, uh, last two or three feet of the lances are balsa wood so that if they do make a direct hit they don't knock each other off the horse but the lance yeah. splinters <laughs> and of course the kids love that Right, and then uh, for a period of time we had a trick horse, and then uh, until the owner died, and then we had a horse uh, made horse made ice cream machine that was developed by the Amish. Uh, the horse went around and around and and created the power to make ice cream. So really? all the kids, 
kids just love all of that. So, oh, um, and fun. then we promoted along with the horse events, what's called cowboy ethics. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of books out on cowboy ethics that are fantastic. They just say things like, uh, uh, well, they, it's got some cowboy advice and also some cowboy ethics. Some of the cowboy advice is always a drink downstream of the herd. Uh, <laughs> uh, never squat with your spurs on. <laughs> if you find yourself in a hole, quit digging. <laughs> some some of the uh, cowboy ethics is is uh, centered around the code of the West. Mm-hmm. And um, it involves certain things like uh, ride for the brand and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, but it's been, uh, we haven't been able to do it this year because of the right. COVID-19, but I do hope to do it in, um, in the fall if, if the situation improves. And what town, what town do you live in? I live in Bristol, Tennessee now. Bristol, Tennessee, okay. And I... I practice law in Kingsport, Tennessee, which is only about 20 miles away. So if any of our listeners want to come and help you with your uh, your adoption day and your exciting equine festival, they can find you in Bristol, Tennessee, right? They can. Yes, ma'am. Well, E.G., thank you so much. I love your stories so much. You're going to have to come back on and tell us more about your growing up on the farm and racing these these horses back home because that sounds really fun. But I, I thank you so much for promoting carriage driving and supporting the CAA and, and all the things you do. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Cut, cut. That was awesome. You definitely need to come back. Very well, good any, Anything I can do. Well, coming up next, Wendy found one of her old friends uh, that used to come on our show all the time, uh, and he is now trying to educate the carriage world and and the driving world with some information because he's one of the most knowledgeable people in the carriage world, and he's trying to, you know, really part some history onto YouTube so it doesn't get lost, and he does a great job explaining things that even I can understand it. And his name is Mike Zeta, and he is has a YouTube page called Antique Carriages that you're going to want to subscribe to. It's a lot of fun, and let's hear from Mike. Well, hi, Mike. Welcome back to the Driving Radio Show. Thanks a lot, Wendy. Well, Mike, what have you been up to since we last spoke? Well, it's been a really exciting time. I, For any of your uh, listeners that aren't aware... I, I love to collect the antique horse and carriage stuff, and I also love buying and selling. And over the last couple of years, Wendy, it's been a lot of fun. All the friendships and people I've met, met through Facebook and some of the other different social media outlets. And recently, I was you know, always looking for something new. And I said, you know what? I said, when you go on YouTube, there is so much really neat stuff to watch that really... I oh, yeah. It, you know, gets me excited or adds something to my bucket list. But there was nothing about antique carriages. There was nothing about that's the equipment. Yeah. So I decided to start a YouTube channel. Oh, that's great because, you know, there's only so much you can do with just static pictures. It's great that you have video. Yeah. And I mean, and I think the one thing I see a lot in the antique world, regardless of what people's hobbies are, 
is that a lot of the older collectors get frustrated because um, a lot of the young people aren't interested in the hobby. But my feeling is that these older collectors want young people to enjoy it the same way they did. Well, yeah. it's changing. Yeah. And we, we can still have a lot of the same interest, but we just enjoy it in a different way. I mean, I know, I know myself, I mean, if I find something that's exciting, first place I'm going is Google followed by YouTube. I, I'm sure right. you're in a similar position. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but in the old days you had to go find like your uncle or something and, and ask him. Then they learned it by like passing it down by word of mouth, but this is just the new way to do that. This is the new way of doing stuff. I mean, how many of us, when we watch TV at night, our significant other is watching one show and we've got our iPad on our lap and our earbuds in and we're, yeah. you know, watching something that interests us. I mean, I, I know myself, there's a lot of great videos on like the Pikes Peak Hill Climb and Mm -hmm. I now want to go visit that. I mean, I watch a lot of <laughs> videos on some of the great car collectors and, you know, some of the, there's a great car show called Keels and Wheels in Houston. And I want to go there someday. And it's simply <laughs> because I discovered it about through YouTube. Well, if you start collecting cars, that's going to be a whole nother, uh, whole nother thing you're going to have to get into. You're going to get divorced if you start that. I, I promise you, Wendy, I, there's a love uh, with the cars, but my, my true passion is the carriages. So, you I'm know, Mike, let's, let's back up a little bit. How, yeah. you know, we, you, you didn't have YouTube growing up to learn about all these carriage things. So how did you learn about all, all the, um, all these antique carriage parts and pieces and all that? Um, well, my, when I grew up, my grandparents had a collection of carriages my parents had a small collection of carriages. My mom also, or both my parents drove. So I was exposed to both the driving end of the sport as well as the collecting sport. And my aunt and uncle uh, have a very large collection of the antique carriages. And so it was always, I mean, I don't, I don't ever remember a part of my childhood where it wasn't something that I was really excited about. It just, right. it, it, it was just, it was who I, who I was. And as I got older and um, graduated from college, uh, I started buying and selling. I started building my own collection and um, spent a lot of time um, with older collectors, including my uncle, um, at just asking a lot of questions. I think by nature, I'm pretty inquisitive. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also, I mean, for a lot of your listeners who may not know, I sell pharmaceuticals for um, as a profession. So generally, I'm very extroverted and I'm outgoing. <laughs> and I, I just... I, I'm very comfortable reaching out to people and saying, you know what, um, I, I, you know, your name came up in conversation here, uh, this, and I yeah. understand you've got, could you share your knowledge or share your insights? And a lot of these, um, I hate to use the word older collectors, but it is, it's very accurate in today's world. And people have just, Wendy, I can't even put into words. I mean, people have just totally opened up and said, Mike, what can I teach you? And call anytime because yeah. They're just excited to pass that interest down because in a lot of situations, their kids or their family, they, they don't have anyone to pass the information down. Uh, down yeah, to. I think there are so few young people in driving. It's just and it's not that it's not fun. It's just that it's just the way that civilization's evolving, that more people live in cities or don't have access to horses or, you know, we uh, or like we talked to E.G. Moody, Judge Moody earlier, and he talked yeah. about growing up on a farm where he was exposed to horses working. But that's not common anymore. 
it, it's not common anymore, Wendy. And you think about a lot. E.G., by the way, is a great guy, just a really great guy. And think about a lot of people in his generation. They grew up playing in a barn that had some stuff in it. Well, now those barns have been demolished and there's probably a subdivision there. So a lot yeah. of us young people don't have that same, um, you know, we don't grow up with the same thing. Now, you started this YouTube channel called yeah. Antique Carriages, and we'll have the link for that in our uh, on our Facebook page. Okay. But I love, um, I think... I think what's really fun about your videos is that you have always been the kind of guy that loves these little hardware pieces. And when you start driving, like for me, I'm a horse person. I started driving to do this with my horse. And then some people come to it as a carriage person. Uh, so they love the carriages. So for me, I was like, the hardware is what I struggle with. Like, how can I attach the carriage to my horse? And there's all these little pieces, and I don't know what the hell they're for. And I, I think your videos are so interesting about talking about these little tiny pieces, which seem like just a little piece of metal, but that is like, you know, the link between your horse and your carriage. It, it is, Wendy. And it's, um, first off, thanks for the compliment. But I did, and it's... I was, I'm really careful and I, I try, I want this YouTube uh, channel really just to reflect my passion and my love for the stuff and how fortunate I've been in um, being able to find a lot of the items I've located for my collection. I, I didn't, the purpose is not to brag and I would feel terrible if it came across that way, but no, it's, it um, I don't, I, I, I think it's vitally important that we're taking the knowledge and 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 sharing it with other people and that because there's a lot of other people who may have these parts and pieces in their barn or their stable and if, if they they can answer a question of what is this that's awesome i mean that, you know that's, that's i love i love on your second video when you talk about the cockeyes sure the, uh you know the antique cockeyes because when you look at it from not a historic point of view, you think, oh, well, that's just a clip. It's just an old-fashioned clip, right? Because I'm a CDE person, so I think, oh, I have my quick-release snaps, you know, my yeah. quick-release pins. But if you use the antique stuff, there's a lot that's involved in that that I have, like, no clue about. It was really interesting what you're talking about. So can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, and I will. And I think, Wendy, it was – uh, absolutely appropriate you brought up the CDE thing because uh, CDE drivers such as yourself look for things that are very utilitarian almost like if you if you looked at cars you have the people who race the Indianapolis 500 they want things that are lightweight utilitarian easier easy to change if you have a little mishap certainly yeah. some of the same things you look for in the CDE where in the antique carriage world very much like the antique car world you want a piece that's historically correct. It doesn't matter so much if it's uh, utilitarian, but you want the piece that is is, uh, is historically correct. And I, I think the cockeyes are a great example. And I mean, they don't have a lot of value. No question about it. The value is a yeah. few dollars at most. But it completes for that person who is looking to have a, an antique carriage, maybe they've got a model of a horse with a harness on it, and they want mm -hmm. it to be just right. Well, the cockeyes are the things that separate the people who know from the people who don't know. And, yeah. or, you know, and I mean, I always say, um, you know, it's, I've, I've worked with a couple people who are building uh, 
public museums are, are doing things and they say, oh, just give me a reproduction of that. 99% of the visitors won't know. And I say, I agree. 99% of the visitors won't know. But that one person who comes in and they may collect I, antique door knockers or they right. collect something that's not, they're going to look at that and they're going to say, I don't know why that doesn't look right to me, but it doesn't look right. Well, I want to be the person who provides or, or is able to share what the right thing is so that it's just, it's very smooth or very pleasing to the eye. Well, you know what else I like about that cockeye video is the people that I know that know antique cockeyes, which, oh, we should probably explain. Glenn, cockeyes are like, it's at the end of your trace and attaches to your carriage or attaches to your single tree. Got it. But there's a screw on it, right? Like a bolt that goes yes. through. And there's an up and a down side of your cockeye. So explain to everybody about that. I think the easiest thing, Wendy, is we all have a smartphone. So if you were to grab your smartphone and hold it so that it's long ways from left to right, you mm -hmm. held it in your left, uh, left hand. And if you took your thumb and your forefinger on your right hand and you slid those up, made to kind of a capital letter C, I, I realize it'd be upside down. But if you slid that over the end of your iPhone, um, imagine where your thumb, where the, the nail is of your forefinger, a screw would slide straight down through the iPhone and it'd be threaded on the bottom and it would thread into your thumb. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That your iPhone would be the trace. That connection of your fingers would be the cockeye. Well, yeah. you need to put the head of the screw on the top because if you put it on the bottom and as you go down the road, if it rattles loose and falls out, well, then there's nothing holding that cockeye to the um, trace anymore. And it, it just leads to a problem for the driver and the, and the horse. Right. And I, you know what I think is interesting about that in modern times? Like the first time somebody told me that, I'm like, oh, well, big deal. Right. Like you just stop. You, you know, put on a new one or whatever. But in the old days, you couldn't get that. Like. Maybe they weren't all the same size. Or how do you find a pin? Like like you were talking about Home Depot earlier. You can't just go down to Home Depot and get a replacement thing for your cockeye. You can't. And, and uh, Glenn, it's kind of like saying the guy who's going 230 miles an hour in Indianapolis, you say, well, that tie rod just broke. That's not a big <laughs> deal. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, wait till you hit turn four, you know, and you're three wide. <laughs> That's and so exactly. it is. So each of those little parts and... Um, Wendy, one thing that I, building on, on the cockeyes, and I also did another video on kidney links, is that historically all of those pieces were made of steel, and they were done so in a manner because steel is the strongest metal, and steel would wear, because each of those were used on a part of the harness uh, that was a wear point. So mm -hmm. if... Um, and uh, polished steel, it could just be, it could be cleaned up. And in a later video, I'm going to talk about a burnishing pad, which if you had a little surface rust developed, you could just burnish it and clean it off real well. Mm -hmm. But my ultimate goal is someday, I, I dream of the carriage house I, I build, is that there's a thing, if, if you go back in time and you think about some of the great names in the carriage driving sport, the Judge Moore, the Alfred Vanderbilts, the Ambrose Clarks, and a lot of the names that are widely recognized in the United States, they had a thing called a steel case. And um, a steel case would hang the different pieces of steel hardware in it, including bits that um, were appropriate when driving your horse and carriage. And, 
and if I can give a shout out, I, I have worked real closely with a real good friend of mine by the name of Ben Mosley up at the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island, and he's done a very nice job building a, a steel case that is historically correct and just laid out real well. And if anybody's ever up there on vacation this summer or next summer, I encourage you to take a look at it because he, he's I. I I'm going to brag a little bit and say I was very instrumental in helping him build it, and he listened, and he, he really did a heck of a nice job. So I don't get it. You put your your steel pieces in there so it doesn't rust when they're in storage? No, uh, no it's you put them there because it makes them easy to access with different size horses. Different, You might use a different size kidney, uh, oh, kidney link. Oh, I may, see, I see. You may, and generally, Wendy, they are quite large. Yeah. They don't have to be terribly deep because the items aren't wide. But they yeah. might have a very large glass panel on the front. You don't want um, just a large glass panel so that you can easily see everything. And oh, they really, yeah, once yeah. again, those things that separate the people who know from yeah. from um, others or people who are new to the hobby. Yeah, see, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> so. If I can't get a... a some hardware from Home Depot, a snap or a snap shackle and some duct tape. Forget it. Uh, Wendy, I think you got more going for you than duct tape and, uh, <laughs> and from Home Depot. You, you got a lot going for you. <laughs> so, Mike, um, what do you have coming up uh, on your video channel? What what other topics are you going to talk about? I recorded one yesterday, and um, it's going to be talking about buggy wrenches. It's actually going to be three part. Um, video series. And so I'll probably be releasing that for in the next, uh, probably the next two weeks or so. I, I'm trying to find out the right timing. If I should do one every two weeks, um, yeah. you know, I want to, I'm not going to give away all the surprises, but I want to interview some people who have a, a real interesting history involved with carriage driving, yeah. uh, kind of like myself. <laughs> I want to, um, I, I'm really, I'm really surprised how this has all developed and I've had some people uh, reach out and say, you know, Mike, they say, have you ever thought about the idea of offering things for sale? And um, that's one of those things I just never really thought about when I when I started it. So I'm kind of trying to figure out the right way to uh, approach that. But I think I think there's just unlimited possibilities with it. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, I was talking to some of our mutual friends and yeah. we we know that you are going to have a video about pole chains coming up. I am at some <laughs> point. Absolutely. I am. And, um, I think, I think with pole chains and with every topic I'm doing, Wendy, the, the one thing I want to do is if, if everybody wants to watch a really neat video now, it's about, um, the, the, they're just, they're very, very well done. But if you look at videos from like Amelia Island concourse, it's a car concourse or Pebble Beach, all of the videos are very professionally done. The people have a sport coat on. And I've really tried to portray that same type of professionalism in my videos. And the pole chains is definitely one thing that I, that I'm going to be um, talking about. But um you know, what's right? What's wrong? How do you identify a new one from an old one? And yeah. even, even people who choose to use newer reproduction equipment, yeah. that's fine. There, there's certainly a need for that in every marketplace. But I'm going to talk about the historic stuff, the stuff I, I love and how to recognize the new from the old, because I, I just view that as really valuable information. 
I think that's really great. And Glenn, I have to tell you that Mike is a pole chain snob. He'll point it out if you have the wrong pole chains. Uh, He's famous for that. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not famous for anything, Wendy. I think I'm just <laughs> yes, famous you are. for knowing Wendy Ying. That's we it. love that. We love that about Mike. But um, uh, Mike, you know what? I love your videos, and it's so great to see you um, sharing this your knowledge of this history. And like we were talking earlier in, in the show, we were talking about how National Carriage Month is about yeah. preserving our history and how carriages and horses really uh, opened up the United States to what it is now. You know, we couldn't have traveled from the East Coast and opened up the West without horses and carriages and oxen and all that. So it's really nice that some people like you are, are preserving this history. And I and I'm trying, and I think I I do owe a huge thank you to all the the older collectors who have really opened up to me and are sharing all their information. And it's it's nice. I think it's I think it's just part of my responsibility to pass that along to everybody. And um, there's no point in in holding it all to yourself. That that's the fun of history is sharing it with everybody. So, Mike, how can people find you? I'm currently, Wendy, right in the middle of the process of rebuilding the website, uh, antiquecarriages.com. Uh, That'll be up in hopefully the next week, week and a half. Uh, and they can always reach me through Facebook. Um, I'm there. I've got an Instagram account. It's called Antique Carriages. Uh, YouTube is Antique Carriages. I always say you can, um, my email is real easy, M-Z-A-E-T-T-A at yahoo.com. So I'm I'm pretty easy to find if you type Mike Zietta into Google. And um, yeah, I, I just, I love visiting with people about their collection, their hobbies, their interests, and I um, look forward to working with a lot of people in the future. And also you do consults, right? Like, so if somebody finds some old piece of uh, hardware, they just have no clue about, they can contact you, get some info. Yeah, I'm more than happy to help out any way I can. And, um, you know, it just... Um, in any way I can help, I, I'm, I'm more than willing to, to do it. And uh, right, if great. you want to see the YouTube videos, go to Anti look up Antique Carriages on YouTube, and we'll post a link to it in our show notes as well. Thanks, Mike. Glenn, thank you very much. Well, unfortunately, Dan, who is president of the ADS, is he president? Yes. President, yeah, president couldn't make it to, uh, with us at this time. He's moving and uh, didn't have a very good connection uh, because he's moving to a place state that has lousy internet and cell phones. <laughs> so, um, why we're still talking about this in the United States in the year 2020 is beyond me. Yeah, uh, but uh, there's a couple things that we wanted to mention about the ADS. They're coming out with the new dressage test, right? In a uh, published version. <laughs> Yep, you can get the new dressage booklet. That should be available sometime next week or the week after. And it has, okay. yep, it has all new dressage tests, and they retire the old tests. So this is going to be an exciting time because they haven't changed for so long, and there's a lot of new, uh, you know, new questions to be asked, and and a lot of new fun things and the levels moving up. So. I can't wait to get it. Website, AmericanDrivingSociety.org. You'll be able to get those uh, coming up in the next week or two. You'll be able to buy them there and get your copy. 
Uh, they did a survey. It's called the AIDS COVID-19 Recovery Driver Data Collection Survey. You can find it at American Driving Society's Facebook page. And we should share that. Share that. If you could share that right over. Do that right now, Wendy. Uh, share that over to the Driving Radio Show's Facebook page. Uh, but I went through the survey, and what they're trying to determine is, will people come out? You know, what are people going to be comfortable with? But if you get to take the survey, it's very important if you show it all with the ADS uh, that you take the survey because it's, ha- it's how they're going to know how to go forward or whether they should this year or not. Because the other thing is expense, right? If people put on yeah. those, there's an expense, and if five people show up. You know, I know. Well, and driving is already, <laughs> yeah, driving already struggles to pay the bills, you know, and then uh, the sponsors a lot of the sponsors have a very um, like target market in driving. And so they're, everybody is just living on the edge, on the razor's edge. So this doesn't help. Yeah, so go to AmericanDrivingSociety.org if you do show, and please fill out the survey. We'll share it on our Facebook page as well. time for the traditional Chinese veterinary medicine segment that Wendy does every month. And today we're talking about sports injury, injuries and constitutions. That's not the political kind. That's the No, it's the, not the political no, kind. The We've kind. had enough of that. <laughs> that's right. We've had enough of that. That's for sure. So tell us about sports okay. inju- injury. I can't say those two words together. Sports injuries and constitutions. Okay. So... Uh, you know, I went into TCVM kind of a skeptic, right? Because I, I was from the biotech world. So that's how we are. We're trained to be skeptics, right? That's why we're having so much fighting with all the doctors online. Exactly. But, um, but that's good. That's how we prove stuff, right? You go in with an open mind. So when I started Chinese medicine, we learned about the constitutions or the, um, it's like the types of, of animals and people, right? So there's, remember, there's fire, earth, metal, water, wood. And actually, the first time you had me on the show, Glenn, uh, when I, I went on with you and Helena, that's what we talked about, how the five elements, the constitutions, right? How the five elements uh, work together uh, for behavior and at the time, I think Helena had like a water horse and she was kind of a water or a water or earth person. So that w- it just wasn't working out. Um, well, one of the things we can also look at is with the constitution is what they're, what injuries they're prone to having. Okay. So like when I, like a, like a wood horse is like bossy athletic is like, you know, like a racehorse, right? They're going to win no matter what. They're prone to tendon injuries. So when I first started getting into TCVM, I thought, wow, that's really a stretch. Like 4,000 years ago, these Chinese people would be like, oh, you're a wood and that one's going to have more. You know, I, did, I was very non-believing about that. But over the years in my practice, I, I'm starting to understand how this evolved, Right. And just with any kind of medicine, be it animal medicine or people medicine, one of the biggest things is we look at patterns, right? We're looking at patterns of disease 
And that is how we come up with our diagnoses. And you also ask your clients this history. You ask your patients a history and you use all that information to kind of say, okay, here are my differential diagnoses, right? What I think it is. So the reason why we have the wood horse maybe has more tendon injuries, okay, is because that horse is going to win no matter what. It will run and run and run until it bows its tendon. Even though its muscles are tired, it's going to, you know, that one maybe is more likely to have a tendon injury. Also, woods, we tend to, they're better sports horses. Like I always say this, most eventers have got to be wood horses yeah. because that huge log up in Kentucky, yeah. I mean, like you'd have to be a wood to jump that thing. <laughs> And right, you have to have water. that super ultra competitive thing. I'm going to go no matter what. Like yeah, racehorses. Like, the good racehorses have that the good too. Racehorses. Like, yeah. did you watch the virtual derby? Yes, that was terrific. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> cheering for Big Red. You know, I love Secretariat. But that feeling that you get when you see him in the old movies when he won by the 27 lengths or whatever, like that is a wood horse. That horse is going to run till he drops. Okay. Whereas an earth horse, earths are very nurturing. They make great mothers, and they're kind of like wonderful, lazy trail horses. So they suffer more with muscle pain. They also sometimes they also are more prone to having uh, stomach ulcers, right? So an earth horse, they're never going to work hard enough. I mean, of course, you can have an accident, but uh, generalities, right? If an earth horse, if his muscles start to get tired... He's going to be like, yeah, I can't go anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're also more prone to stomach issues because they hold a lot of things inside. They have a lot of internal worry. And we know that that can cause ulcers in people. And a lot of internal stress causes stomach ulcers in horses. Our fire horses, the fire horses are the divas, right? And they also make good athletes, but they're kind of like, like kind of wild and they're always like there's always a ton of drama going on so they have a lot of anxiety and behavior issues so when i treat a, a fire horse i'm gonna you know treat what i see but also know in the back of my mind okay it's constitution is fire so i better add a couple things in to like calm this horse down a little also like a fire horse and a wood horse like if you have to rehab them or they have to have stall rest, that can be very difficult because of their constitution because they're always going. Um, who didn't I cover yet? Metal? Right. So the metal horse, metal horse, uh, Jen, your wife, Jen, mm -hmm. is a metal person. Mm -hmm. That's why we love her because she's very organized. She plans, but she doesn't like change. Yeah, right? that's that. All of that is so true. <laughs> yeah, and that's what and metal horses are wonderful. They make wonderful schoolmasters, and they also uh, make good athletes. But they sometimes lack some brilliance, right? Because they're organized. They're like, okay, this is my job. But uh, the organs associated with the metal are the large intestine, and the the skin and lungs, the immune system. So our metal horses 
can suffer from hind gut ulcers because they get uh, like a, they also can hold a lot of, of, of stuff inside. Uh, but with the skin and lung problems, I think that with metals, right, there's going to be times in their life when things change and then they get stressed out. Right. And then they release, uh, like internal steroids, cortisol, our stress hormone, and then it sets up their immune system, either overreacting or underreacting, you know, so that our metals metal, the metal element is a yin element and a yin or introverted type of personality. So they suffer with those kind of issues like chronic issues that are kind of smoldering that you wouldn't really see on the outside, mm-hmm. but it would affect their performance. Uh, and then the last one is the water waters in animals. Those are, are very difficult in people. A water is uh, very introverted and, they're great planners and they're great chess players and they're great politicians, not the one that's out there speaking at the podium, the one that's pulling all the strings, the puppet master. Right. (laughs) Yep. So, so, um, and waters, the water element controls the kidneys and the bladder, the kidneys in Chinese medicine is not just your kidneys to clean, uh, your blood and, and produce urine. The kidney is like the store of your, your life force of your Jing, right? So it helps determine the length of your life. It's like if you live a wild life, you're going to blow through all your Jing and you're going to not live a long time. And also the kidneys, um, they didn't, they may or may not have known this in the ancient times, right? But now we know the kidneys and the heart, um, talk to each other with, uh, with chemical messengers, Right. So when you start to get stressed and you start to feel scared, your, your brain releases these hormones that tell your kidneys to release, uh, like your adrenal glands to release, uh, epinephrine. Right. So you can have this feedback loop of like your brain saying, I'm scared. And then your kidney saying, you should be scared. You better run, blah, blah, blah. You know, so waters get this like panic attack kind of situation. So waters are very difficult horses to, to ride and have doing sport. And also with dogs, they tend to be fear biters. So, uh, with waters, we also see the personality things. And then they're also more prone to arthritis. Waters, um, they say that waters tend to live a very long life because they're so fearful, they don't take a lot of chances. Right? And then, uh, and as they get older, they suffer some arthritis. Of course, all horses are going to have arthritis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say the, that. I don't know. Yeah. But the waters are more prone to like in people, rheumatoid arthritis, you know, or like I told you, the kidneys is the jing. It's your life force. So waters, animals are more prone to have like developmental arthritis and uh, genetic defects. You know, the th- things that are congenital. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, we talked about a little uh, earlier about the chi performance. I'm just going to talk a little bit more about that formula and how that can help you with your sports injuries. Okay. Um, we talked about how it ton- with chi performance, it's a formula specifically for sport horses to help with either like high level competition or when you're coming back into work, you know, I use it for both of those situations and it tonifies your chi and it tonifies your blood because you need the chi, which is your energy and the blood, which carries the oxygen and nutrients to your muscles. You need that to be plentiful so that you can build more muscle and more tendon and bone, uh, to be a stronger athlete. It also has herbs that move chi and blood to reduce stagnation. So remember, we talk about if your chi is stagnant, you'll mm-hmm. be painful. And you can imagine that like a bruise. When you get a bruise, that's like stagnant blood and chi, right? You can see it through your skin. And these herbs also help nourish the tissues and speed up healing, right? It helps with cellular turnover. So I talked a little bit earlier about it. Our number one herb in here is Dongwei which is angelica. And we also call that women's ginseng. And it's called women's ginseng because it's used a lot in formulas for women to uh, regulate their uh, cycle. Okay, so in in humans that have uh, bad period cramps or uh, they have excessive bleeding, that is the number one herb we use for that. So it tonifies your chi and it helps move blood around. Then Dong Shen is the next herb, and that is called condenopsis. That's the English word is condenopsis. And that is also called poor man's ginseng. Because ginseng is really expensive. You know, you'd know that in human formulas, ginseng is a root that right. is a very prized herb uh, for tonifying. It seems your like cheek. you see it in everything nowadays. Oh yeah, because it it does a lot of things like it like increases. aloe. You used to aloe was in yeah. nothing twenty years ago. I know. Now, and now you everything. can buy it by the gallon. <laughs> but in if we use ginseng in this formula, it would be super expensive. So in animal formulas, we tend to use condenopsis because it's a cheaper form of ginseng. It's also a root and it has a lot of the same properties, but it's What's uh, it dong shen. No, the con- na- the name of the. Condenopsis. 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 And um, it also is not as hot as ginseng. You know, I always talk about the hot and the cold herbs. Ginseng is really hot. And that's another reason why it gives you a lot of energy. But in horses, we don't want to give them herbs that are too hot because, like, we know 90% of horses have GI ulcers. So we don't want to add to that. That would be too hot. Another one of the herbs in here is called fenghua fen, which is bee pollen. And bee pollen, I mean, you hear about that all the time in, in health food uh, supplements. Bee pollen is super nutritious and it tonifies your chi, but also is what we call a jing tonic. A jing tonic means it supplements your jing, your life force. So your, your jing is your energy that you're born with. And it also has a lot of nutrients in it. Do they milk the bees to get it? <laughs> yes, they milk the bees. No, they don't milk the bees. 
But that's kind of an expensive herb, so there's not a ton of Yeah, that because that. you have to milk the bees. It takes a while. You have to milk the bees. <laughs> and then the last one that's really important that I'm sure you've heard of is Shanza, which is Chinese hawthorn berry. Have you heard of that? No. Hawthorn berry? Huh. That's um, getting more and more popular in health food supplements uh, for people that have heart issues. Um, and we use this hawthorn berry in this formula because it stimulates the appetite and it makes the horse want to eat more. So with athletes, you know, we do need to get them to eat healthy foods and some horses, you know, when they're working really hard, they can go off their feed. Um, but it also increases blood flow and contractility of the heart. So if your heart is stronger and pumping more, you can get blood to more tissues. And you know what, Glenn? I know you like this. You like sweet and sour chicken, right? Yep, I love sweet and sour chicken. Well, the red sauce, that sweet and sour sauce, is red because of the hawthorn berry in there. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's a, it's a very, it's not only used as an herb, but it's a, a food because it has a sweet and sour taste, and it's red, and that's what makes the the sweet and sour sauce red. And, I mean, I'm sure there is some artificial... I'm sure there's some artificial sweet and sour sauces, but the the traditional sweet and sour sauce is made with hawthorn berries. Huh. The stuff that you get at the at the strip mall may not be hawthorn berry sauce. No, really. <laughs> but the traditional sweet and sour sauce is made with hawthorn berry. All right, very good. And and they can yeah. find it again. You can get that. It's QI Cheap Performance. And you can find it at drwendying.com. And you go into the upper right-hand corner, and there's a search box. You just type that in, and it'll take you to the link. But plus, we'll put the direct link in the show. So if you're looking for the all-natural alternative, there it is. drwendying.com. Well, we have Katie Cadwell here from Tremont Training, and she does our Tremont Training Tip of the Month. But Katie, you know, maybe it's something a little bit different. I wanted to really talk to you about, you know, I've had the, I've been doing a lot of coverage on the virus and, and been doing multiple shows, like 10 a week. And we've ta- I've talked to so many of the leaders in this industry, and we've also ta- talked to a lot of the top-name riders. And one of the things I'm surprised at, and I wanted to see if you've had the same revelation, because you're a big shower, is a lot of them have said, you know, this break hasn't been all bad, because we've been able to work on things with with many of our horses that we didn't have the time to work on before. What they're talking about is coming back to horsemanship and the fundamentals. Have you found the same thing? Are you finding that you have more time to work on things you wouldn't have had time to work on? Uh, Absolutely. We've taken this time to kind of step back and figure out where the holes exist in, you know, our training and what we need to work on more. And to be honest with you, we shut our barn. So we were still training horses, but we weren't having clients come in and out. So we're just beginning now to, we figured out a way you know, face masks and everything to come back in and work their horses or ponies once or twice a week. But the training time and the making everything basic has been, I mean, so good for the drivers and for the horses. 
Well, and, you know, the other thing, too, especially when you get up into these jumping horses and some of the event horses even, and dressage horses, they used to have two months off in the old days. Uh, They used to get December and January off, and then they'd go back to work, and now they don't get any time off because they're showing all year round. And I I wonder, I wonder, this is my hope, and you tell me whether I'm crazy and I think I am. I hope that everybody sees that maybe that's a good thing and that actually we change a little bit toward giving them more downtime than we used to. I That's a pipe dream and, you know, money speaks and who knows. But I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? I I actually agree with the giving them some time off. I mean, when we were growing up and when we were competing in Europe, all the horses had time off in winter. And florida and seasonal things we've gotten so we start our show season in january which means a break so i actually completely agree with you that it's not bad for the horses to have a and like what we did was we went to instead of working them six days a week we did three days on a one day off and they gotten to lighten up a bit and not have to pound as much and like we were just saying just do more basic work so what kind of basic things have you been doing? And by the way, we I just want to let the listeners know, we have a, a little bit of a bad connection with you, so you're breaking up a little bit, but we'll, we'll try and get through here. Uh-oh. She's in the Carolinas. Um, That's yeah. what happens. We've been doing a lot of... Uh, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, we've been doing a lot of uh, transitions, circles, working on strengthening the back end. And now that we're reintroducing the drivers to their ponies at these last six weeks is making sure that they feel hind end instead of working your horse from the nose backwards, it's pushing it hind end forward. Yeah. And, is, and have you seen a change? Oops. I actually have heard it. She didn't come came to drive her pony the other day she and it's a good pony it's a winning and she went to drive him and she said he's like a pony she said i feel the connection i feel what you keep saying to me that i haven't been able to get so i think you know she went home she thought about it and she had time to mull it over pony had time to mull it over and when they came back together it was even better and she's a, a person that loves to show also but okay, maybe we're not going to get to show this fall. Maybe we're going to have to take a little step back, but that's not such a bad thing for some of these animals. Well, it's interesting to hear you say that because that's that's kind of what I've been hearing, you know, across the board in all disciplines. Uh, it's, And you know what? That's You know, I, I said at the beginning of this, it, it, the world's kind of resetting or forcing us to reset, Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. The earth is saying in its own way, it's saying, "Okay, time for humanity to do a do a break here. Time for time out. Sit in the corner and uh, take a time out. And I think, you know, I think we can learn things from what we've been forced to do. I completely agree with you on that. Even even stuff like like stepping back to better horsemanship and not just making our horses one in a long line we have to work that way but any more time with them and more time in the wash stall or playing with them in the barn just more time with them as animals 
Now, I will say this. I'm getting really sick of cooking for myself every night. So <laughs> I, I'm kind of going to throw that out there. Glenn, yeah. let me tell you something you might not know about Kitty. Yeah. Uh, you might want to be quarantined with her next time. Kitty is a pro pastry chef. Really? Have you been pastryizing? Uh, I actually I drop off muffins and birthday cakes when necessary. So, yes, I've been amusing myself by doing some baking. <laughs> Where are you up there and not in Ocala? What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a terrible connection with you, so we're going to let you go a little early. Thank you for joining us, and we appreciate okay. it. Okay. All right. Thanks. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, driving episode. Uh, we are here the first Thursday of every month on the Horses in the Morning show talking about driving. Wendy's here. And you can find all the past episodes of the Driving Radio Show at drivingradioshow.com. Or if you go to Horses in the Morning, scroll down to the middle of the page and click on the driving banner. It'll bring you to all the past episodes from Horses in the Morning as well. There's been hundreds of them. So you're going to want to go take a look back and uh, you can go back through time and we've talked about driving almost every animal you can think about over the years <laughs> and you can find wendy at drwendyying.com and also uh we are here five days a week so if you're a brand new listener uh jamie and i are here monday wednesday and friday and then there's a different uh, sh uh, monthly episode every tuesday and thursday we have eight different monthly episodes that come on just to break it up a little bit and to give you a variety of content tomorrow morning is friday which you know what that means wendy really bad ads really bad ads and we're giving away five hundred dollars worth of stuff this month so you're really? definitely going to want to uh check out tomorrow's show Awesome. Uh, and you can find all of the shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com or at the Horse Radio Network app. Search for it on iOS or Android. Thanks, Wendy. All right. Keep the shiny side up. <laughs>